Project Taryag Day 5. We're holding by Mitzvah of Pace, and that is the Mitzvah of Pidyan Petachamor. Redeeming the firstborn donkey, which we already saw there was a Mitzvah to make a Kaddish. Says the Pasuk, The firstborn donkey, you have to redeem it for a sheep. How does one do that? Israel has a firstborn donkey, he has to take a sheep, and he gives it to the coin in place of the donkey. Right, because it's one of the gifts that we're given to the Kohenim, the donkey, and in order for the Yisrael to, so to speak, buy it back, he exchanges it for a sheep. Neither the Malkoidesh, which means the sheep doesn't have to be brought on the Mizbech, it's given to the Kohen to use for whatever he wants to do with it. If the Kohen, if the Yisrael doesn't have a sheep, so he has to be part of the Chamar, this is the Machlaikas, if he has to be part of it, he has to redeem it with the value of the donkey or with the value of a sheep. Chazal in the Gemara give us a range of how much a person would have to pay for that. Whether if a person wants to be generous, he'll give a seller, which is a bigger amount of money. Or if he wants to be less generous, he'll give a half a seller. And he's 30 days to do that. What's the reason for the mitzvah? Says the Chinuch, the Klayashal should always remember the nice Hashem did for them. We talk about Adam Mitzrayim. Sheharag kol b'chayreim shenimshu l'chamorim. He killed all the firstborn of the Egyptians. The Egyptians in the Pasuk are compared to donkeys. The Pasuk says, Asher b'sar chamorim b'sarom, that the, so to speak, the flesh is like that of donkeys. And in place of Hashem saved Klayashal, which is compared to a sheep. And therefore, to tr- transfer the, the sheep, so to speak, for the donkey, is how Kaddish Baruch Hu did for Klai Yisrael when he saved us, the Jewish people, and in turn punished the Egyptians who were compared to the donkeys. Now, the din of a Petah Hamar, of a firstborn donkey, is Dafka and donkey out of all the non-kosher animals, either for the reason we said before, because compared to the Egyptians. There's another reason brought down in the Midrashim, and that is because every Jew used donkeys to carry out the wealth, the spoils, that they amassed from the Egyptians. Who does the mitzvah apply to? Both men and ladies who would own a firstborn donkey. Obviously not Kalim and Levim because the mitzvah is to be paid to the donkey to give to them. If a person doesn't do it, he's over a mitzvah sase. Like the other mitzvahs of the Chorim, it only applies to the animal of a Jew. And therefore, if the animal is owned by a guy or partially owned by a guy, it wouldn't have the benefit of Hamar. Mitzvah of Gimel. And that is mitzvahs arifas betachamar. And that's the Torah says that if a person doesn't redeem the first donkey, then he has to break its neck. And in other words, he's mechuyiv to be part of the donkey. And if he doesn't do it, then Hashem decides that he shouldn't be able to get hanar from the first donkey. And that's why he has to he has to kill it. Right. Now. It's interesting that the Chinuch learns, and so does the Rambam, that this isn't just a consequence. In other words, a punishment for not being Makai in the midst of Petr Chamar is that a person has to kill the donkey. He learns that it's a separate mitzvah, it's encountered as a different mitzvah. And the reason for that is, is because the Mishnah says in Bukharis that mitzvah pedia kaidemis le mitzvah sarifa. The mitzvah of being part of the donkey comes before the mitzvah of breaking its neck, just like the Gemara learns as well. The mitzvah of Yibum, for example, comes before the mitzvah of Chalitza. 
And therefore he understood from this that they're both mitzvahs. Just as a priority to the mitzvah of being paid of the donkey, if a person wouldn't want to do that, then as a second option he could fulfill the mitzvah of breaking its neck and therefore it would apply to the same people that the mitzvah of Ptia applied to both men and women who have a firstborn donkey. Mitzvah Chavtalet. As you just mentioned, those mitzvahs do apply today. as has to do with the Beis HaMikdash. And therefore, if a person would have a uh, first donkey, he would be Mechayev today as well in the mitzvah of Pidim Pratachama. Mitzvah Chavtalet. And this is a mitzvah which is Shalai Nelech Shabbos Chutz Tchum. The person is not allowed to leave his Tchum, his area, on Shabbos. We're going to see that there's a Mechlekes about this mitzvah as well. And first, we see the opinion of the Rambam, which is the opinion of the Chinuch. And they learn from the Pasuk, where it says in this impartial Mishalach, Al Yaitse A man should not leave his Makam, his place, on Shabbos. What that means is that there's an Isra for a person to travel, even if he's not carrying anything, but just to travel too far from the Makam, from his place. What's his place? So here we see that this is the Raisa level, and then Rabbanon came afterwards and curtailed this amount of space which a person's place is considered, and therefore they make a much smaller trum which a person is required to remain inside on Shabbos. So the Rambam learns that the trum de Raisa is the distance of three parsas. How much is a parsa? A parsa is four mil, and uh, which means altogether a person is twelve million. That's Midaraisa. Rabbanon came and restricted the share to 2,000 Amos, which is 1 mil, which means 1 twelfth of the amount that a person is allowed to travel Midaraisa. And then, wherever a person's space is, he's not allowed out of the Tchum, which is this amount of area, beyond that space. Now, if you're talking about a person who's by himself in the open, in the fields, in the desert, so we'll consider his place to be the area right around him, and then we can start measuring the Tchum from there. If a person is living in a city, so then if that's the case, we consider the whole city to be his trum, his place, and it's only from outside the city that we start to measure uh, the, the shear of the trum, and it's only from outside the city, then therefore that he is restricted how much he can walk. Within the city, however big the city happens to be, he's allowed to walk as much as he wants. Now, there's another din as well, the Gemara says in Erevin, that the way we work out the trum is first we take the houses, so to speak, at the ends of the city, then we square the city. So that way the trum will be a straight line in all places. And then out of that square, we now start measuring the trum. So there could be cities which their houses, which are extend at one point beyond the city limit, so to speak. The straight line from there, which will make it into a square, is also considered part of the city. And only after that do we start measuring the trum. Right. And then what's considered a base, the mission says any place where people live in, not just buildings which happen to be there, but buildings which are meant for habitation. The Gemara even considers a shul, which has a place for the chazan, for the by the shamash, whatever it is to live in, as also a place of a dera, a place which is dwelled in, and therefore that would be included in the city as well. Right, when we do measure the trum, so the mission says the way to do it is they took ropes, made it a fish line, out of nylon, 50 amas long, and there were two people who hold the rope, they hold it not too taut, not let it hang loosely too much, and they would measure it in increments of, they would measure the trum in increments of 50 amas. The Gemara also says if they would come to 
mounds, stones, a mountain, a valley, or something which would prevent them being able to measure in a normal way. So if there a rope of 50 amos would be able to cross whatever the impediment was, they would just measure over it. If it was talking about something which was more bigger than that, and then we can't let's say measure the side of a mountain because we're not just measuring distance then, we're also measuring the height. So the mission explains that would have to work in, in small amounts to measure just the distance without taking the height of the mountain into account. So they would stand at various points of the mountain and they would measure the distance, let's say from the shoulders of one to the feet of the next, which is just giving you the area, uh, how, how distant it was from the city, so to speak, without taking into account the elevation. Right. Since this is in the Trum today of 2000 Amos, so we can even believe a child to tell us where the Trum of Shabbos came until, but we're talking about the Trum de Raisa, which is a much bigger area, so then obviously they would need proper ages. What's the reason for the Mitzvah? It says, which is the reason for Shabbos, that the world has a creator, it didn't happen by itself. And therefore, to part of resting in Shabbos is staying in the place we are. We shouldn't go on long journeys which are considered uh, difficult to travel far, but a short journey which is not too far from our place is considered that's taking a leisurely stroll and that's Mutter and Shabbos. Traveling great distances is something that's very taxing and therefore, I shouldn't do it on Shabbos. This mitzvah would apply equally to men and women, like all the mitzvahs of Shabbos apply equally to men and women. And according to the Rambam, since there's this Isser Midaraisa of going out of one's Tchum of three parasas, if a person would do that, he would get Malchus, like every mitzvah's Leitase, which has an action involved. However, even though the Isser of Shabbos has a Chiyav Mitzvah, the mitzvah of Tchumim isn't part of the of Melacha, and therefore there wouldn't be that same penalty if a person would go out of his Tchum. But if a person goes out of his Tchum, the Rabbanan, which is 2,000 Amos, so the Rabbanan have the right to punish him for disobeying their instructions, that's what we call Marcus Maridus, and if a person would be amazed at the God of his Chum, he would get that punishment. There's a second point here also, and there is Rabbanan Medics Chumra, that if a person does go out of his Chum, it without a good justification, for example, not somebody who is going to uh, to save somebody or for some other worthwhile reason, but if a person goes out of his Chum, then he's required to remain where he is. He's not allowed to walk back into his home, so he'll be confined to the area where he is now for the remainder of Shabbos. This is the opinion of the Rambam. The Ramban disagrees, and he says, it's not true, the, the Isra of Tchumim is completely Durabon in nature. There's no second Tchum Daraisa, and therefore Rabban enacted the Tchum that people should stay in their place in Shabbos of 2,000 Amas, that's the only Tchum there is. And if that's the case, how does he explain the Pasuk? Not al yaiti ishmukaimu that a person can't walk out of his makam, but rather al yaiti ishmukaimu, which means a person can't carry things out of his makam. And if that's the case, it's an extension of the rule of hitzah of carrying things from one domain to another in Shabbos. And if that's the case, it's not a separate mitzvah; it's incorporated in the general mitzvah of not doing melacha on Shabbos. And therefore, he wouldn't consider this mitzvah to be one of the mitzvahs. Mitzvah chafei. And now we come to the Saras Adibris, and the Mitzvah Chafei is the Mitzvah of Imunah in the Matthias of Hashem. The Mitzvah that we rely on, we know of the existence of Hashem. What's the Pasuk in the Torah which teaches us to us? 
when Hashem introduced himself to us in Harsinai, he says to us, Hashem introduced himself, I am Hashem who took out of Mitzrayim. And what's the first of the ten Dibras, the first of the commandments commanding us, is to understand, understand and know that that's the truth. And therefore, to know that there's a God who creates the world, who runs the world, and everything that happens is because of him. And an example of that is that the fact he took us out of Mitzrayim. That's when we were witnesses firsthand to his power and to his ability. Right. The Shayish of the Mitzvah, the reason is obvious. That's the basis of Yiddishkeit. We believe that in Hashem as the, as the God who commands us and creates us. And he says, The Emuna is the foundation of the religion. And if a person who doesn't have his kofi b'eka, he's denying the main principle of Yiddishkeit. He's not a part of Klai Yisrael. What is the emunah? It should be something which is established in a person's nefesh, not just something that he knows. Much more deep than that. That's part of him. That this is the emes. It's not possible to do anything else. And if you'd ever be asked or challenged, you would never deny or cover up his emunah. And even at to the extent that a person would give up his life not to deny or not to recant on the, on the Yisrael of Emunah. Not only that, Sakhinach adds that the more a person is able to understand and the more therefore the Emunah becomes clear to him, and then he's adding to this myth of Emunah of clarifying for himself the principle of Emunah. There's another possible criteria which Actually, verbalizes us. It says, "V'yadata hayom." A person should know. He should make it something which is in his heart, something which is more and more firm, more and more part of him. And they know it. Hashem is the God, and there's nothing else besides Him. And that's the way to make in the midst of emuna. What are we meant to and believe, understand as part of the emuna? The Chinuch says. That everything which happens in the world, all the power in the world, all the bracha, all life, everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we, obviously we don't have the ability to understand the extent of Hashem's ability and power, or His goodness, or what He can do. We as people are very limited in our understanding of something which is infinite. But what we do understand is that everything which there is comes from Hashem. There's no other option and there's no other power in the world. Right. The Ramam adds to this. The other principles of Imunah, and that is Hashem is not human. Hashem doesn't have human form. Hashem doesn't have any kind of limitation. And uh, Hashem is the first, He is the last. All these are extra points in extending the principle of the Imunah. It applies obviously every, every time, every place, both the man and the woman. Every time a person thinks about this, it's one of the mitzvahs to medias, which means every time a person thinks about it, and works on developing, strengthening his emunah, and the result of emunah, which is the bitachon, which comes from that clarity, then a person will be making this mitzvah. Mitzvah chavav is the second one of the series of Tiburis, and that is not to believe in any other power or in any other God except for Hashem. That's what the Pasuk says, There should be no other, other God besides Hashem, and this is also from a fundamental principle of the Torah. The Gemara said anybody who denies Avodah Zarah, which means any other form of power in the world, that's Ke'ilu, 
He has no capital color to the Torah recorder. And someone has to show him the opposite, who accepts the desire, it's like he denied the whole Torah. Right, and therefore this is all included in this, the second of the Debris. Again, it's something a person is required to give his life for, not to accept of a desire. Shoresh the reason for the Mitzvah, it's Pashat. It denies the whole basis of Yiddishkeit, which is Hashem is all the power in the world. Now, what this means in the Halachas is that even if a person accepts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu exists, but he ascribes a certain power or a certain ability to some other entity, whether it's a physical entity like a person, or spiritual entity like a malach or some other uh, sense of power in the world, he's already over in this Esther because he's accepted the authority or the power of some entity except for Russia. That's the first point. And now we're going to see the Chinuch extends this to the continuation of the mitzvah, which is not just not to accept Avedazara, but not to worship or show importance to Avedazara in any way, as we'll see in the next mitzvah. The Isser of accepting a desire extends to the fact that a person can't read Swarim or discuss things with their worshippers in any way which will bring him to accept or maybe be misled by their arguments. Same thing the Torah says, A person shouldn't follow the thoughts of his heart, which means those ideas or those thoughts which might bring him to give some kind of uh, belief or truth to whatever Vodazara wants to represent. Similarly, because of the Khumra, because of the severity, we see that by even the by other things, there's a principle that if a person says something and retracts within the space of saying three words, he can retract what he said. When it comes to Vodazara, there's no such thing as a retraction. The same thing if a person accepts Vodazara, even not because he really believes in it, but the Gemara says, Me'av or which means for fear of the person who's forcing him to do it, or because for some other reason he loves uh, the, he, he loves it. The example of the Chinuch is he likes its shape or he likes the way it looks. And it could also be out of love for a person that he wants to, so to speak, make them happy and therefore agrees to accept the Abba desire. This is also Asr. It's also accepting Abba desire. Right. Not only that, the Torah asked, the Torah forbade, Anything which comes from Vodazara, using the Vodazara itself, or any of the things which were used in its service, or any of the things which were offered to it, these are all Asabana. So we shouldn't have any connection, we shouldn't touch or benefit in any way from a Vodazara. We will see that on this Esther, it's possible to undo, so to speak, the Vodazara, or the connection to Vodazara, if a non-Jew has an idol, or something he used for his idol worship, and he then recants, he mevatlet, then it loses its uh, connection to Avodah and then can be used by a Jew, as you see by the story. David Amalek wanted to use the crown, which the Bnei Amon had put on their, the head of their Avodah He needed to find a non-Jew who would mevatl that Avodah and how a non-Jew's mevatl Avodah is a discussion in the Gemara. And then when that happened, then it allowed him to use the crown of the Avodah of Amon. But a Jew who says of a desire, so then that of a desire or anything used for it becomes also forever and it can never be taken out of that status of being also. This is obviously applies to everybody, men and women the same, in any time and every place. And if a person is over in this and he does and he is over of a desire, so if there's witnesses, 
and he was warned, he gets Misa, and without that he gets Kares, and if it was Bashaik, he gets to bring a carbon Khatas and a special extra khat, uh, carbon for being Nikhlon in Avayr This Mitzvah of Yisavayr is something that the entire world was commanded in, the non-Jews as well, it's one of the Shavis of Neinayach, but the difference between Jews and non-Jews is regarding the penalty. Balach is that by a Jew, he needs Adin Vasra, he needs to be warned and have witnesses before we can punish him. And the other and the Goyim, they don't need Asra. And therefore there's no difference between Shaykh and Bamezid. If a Nanja worships over Zara, he's Chayav Mesa. And there's by my Shaykh and by a Jew, if it would be Bashaygag, he would only bring a carbon and he wouldn't be Chayav Mesa. Mitzvah of Zayn is Shalai Nasir's pestle, not to make a statue. And it's also from the next words in the Pasuk. It says, Don't make yourself a statue or any form or image which is meant to represent the Zarah. And the Ikadin of the Torah is to make some kind of a statue which is going to be worshipped, which is going to be served. Even if the person who's making the statue isn't going to serve it himself, but if that's what it's meant for, then he's over the Yisra. Right. Similarly, the Rambam writes that even if he doesn't make it himself, but he orders other people or organizes that it should be made, he's also over. The Ramban doesn't agree with that. The Ramban is only talking, says this positive is only talking about the person who does it himself in order to serve it. And the Ramban's reasoning is that what's brought in the Sarasa Debrisia is only the Isra of Erezara, which is Chayav Mesa. And the person makes statues, not, and he's not going to serve them himself, even though he's over a late saying he'll get Malchus, there wouldn't be Mesa for that. Therefore, the Ramban learns that this is a continuation of the Mitzvah before. The Mitzvah of Vedazara includes don't worship of Vedazara or don't make the statue that the person himself is going to worship and this will all be included in one Mitzvah. There's another question on the Rambam and that is normally we say that when it comes to Averis, the person who does the Averis himself is responsible. If he gets somebody else, a Shliach, to do the Averis, so then we say ain't Shliach advar Averis and the person sending him would not be responsible. And here the Rambam says that if you get somebody else, so to speak, to make a statue, he would also be Chayv, which is a question they ask on the Rambam. The reason for the mitzvah is just like it's asked to serve Avodah Zarah, so it's also to make something of Avodah Zarah. Right. There's also a question, what's considered a Tzalem? It has to be something which is boiled, which means it's three-dimensional, not just something which is drawn on a flat surface. And therefore, a person has a signet ring even, which has a, a tsura of, of a desire on it, which is, which is but it sticks out from it. Or, even if it's indented, but when he puts the signet ring into something, it causes in the clay that he's signing on, there should be a tsura of a desire which sticks out. This will all be included in the system.